All right, guys, we're back for the second part of episode 64. I'm sorry it's a couple days late, but I had some stuff that came up, so I'm going to make sure I get this part out to you as quickly as possible, and we have a lot to cover. So if you did not listen to the previous part, we were ended off on breaking down my top 20 fights that I want to see from the UFC in 2020. We had a bunch of fights on the list. I'll name a few um, just to get you ready. I've got Kelvin Cater, Edson Barbosa. I've got Henry Cejudo, Piotr Jan. I've got Valentina Shevchenko and Amanda Nunes three, just to name a few. If you want to hear the whole list, listen to the first part before you listen to the second part. I mean, that's pretty self-explanatory, but you never know with how people are nowadays. So let's go on with the list. We left off at number 13, which was a bantamweight matchup between the newly minted bantamweight contender who almost defeated Marlon Marias at UFC 245, Jose Aldo Jr., facing the returning Cody Nolove Garbrandt, who has a fight against Rafaela Sunsau, booked for March 21st, I believe, in Columbus, Ohio. Like I said, which I think I said this on the previous part, I think that Cody Garbrandt versus Jose Aldo at 135 is a huge fight. There's a lot of people behind Cody Garbrandt, myself included. I've talked about him a lot on this podcast. And a fight with him and Aldo, you know it would be amazing. Who would be quicker? Who would have the, the more powerful strikes? Can Garbrandt take the shots? Can he land on Aldo and hurt him? Um, it would just be a it would be a firefight from start to finish. And uh, they would throw bombs at your moms from bell to bell. And uh, yeah, I expect this to be a great fight. And I hope we get it in 2020. Up next, number 14 on the list, we have a fight that probably should have happened already. It's at 145 pounds in the featherweight division. We've got Zabit Magomed Sharapov versus a guy who was supposed to fight Korean Zombie at the UFC fight night on December 21st in Busan, South Korea, Brian T-City Ortega. I think Zabit Magomed Sharipov versus Brian T. City Ortega at the in the featherweight division is a fight we are definitely going to see in 2020. And I think it would be an amazing fight because you know that Zabit is a, a fantastic striker. I would give Zabit the advantage on the feet, but I give uh, Brian Ortega an advantage on the ground over anybody in the 145-pound division, maybe in the entirety of the UFC. So it would be a fact of, and Ortega is no slouch on the on the feet either. I mean, he knocked out Frankie Edgar. He uh, landed some really good shots on uh, Max Holloway in their fight at UFC 231. So a fight between Zabit and Brian Ortega is just a super fight, a great fight for the uh, the featherweight division going forward. Um, another fight I just thought of right now would maybe be Kelvin Cater versus Brian Ortega, but I don't expect to get that in 2020, maybe in 2021, depending on how good um, Ortega looks. When he fight or uh, Kelvin Cater looks when he fights Jeremy Stevens at UFC 245. So yeah, that's my next fight. My next fight, uh, number 15 on the list. It's a middleweight fight between the up and coming rising star, undefeated Edmund Shabazian versus Uriah Primetime Hall. So currently, Uriah Hall just got booked to be facing Jacare Souza at UFC 249, and I think that's a fantastic fight in and of itself. I mean, a guy like Uriah Hall, this is a big step up in competition for him. He's on a two-fight win streak. I believe his previous fight, he beat Antonio Carlos Jr., and then prior to that, he had a win over, um, I want to, not Bevon Lewis, because he beat Bevon Lewis and then lost a fight, but uh, let's check it out really quick. I just want to, uh, we'll pull this up and check out Uriah Hall's last fight. Let's see. Um, yeah, but I think Hall versus Shabazian 
is a great fight, a fight between two good strikers um, and to figure out who would land the better shots. Uh, I definitely expect that to be a barn burner. So he did beat Bevon Lewis. Okay, so he beat Bevon Lewis and then um, Antonio Carlos Jr. So I was right. I was contradicting myself. But yeah, Bevon Lewis and then Antonio Carlos Jr. He looked great in the fight against Antonio Carlos Jr. And uh, Edmund Shabazian's coming off that first round head kick knockout over Brad Tavares at UFC 244. So if Hall is able to get past Jacare, I like this fight a lot for Uriah Hall, even though I would venture to say if he beats Jacare, he would get a higher ranked opponent in the middleweight division, even though, you know, Jacare isn't currently ranked at middleweight, I believe. I could be wrong, but before he moved up to light heavyweight, I think he was ranked like five or six maybe. But who knows? But I think Edmund Shabazian versus Uriah Hall is a great fight for the middleweight division. It's two good strikers. Can um, Edmund Shabazian land on Uriah Hall or can Uriah Hall finally live up and rise to the occasion against Jacare and then fight Edmund and knock him out? So it would be a good fight, um, just a great fight in general. Let's go to the next one. Up next on the list, a fight I think all of you will be interested in. It's at the 155-pound division. Tony Elkakui Ferguson versus Max Blessed Holloway. This would most likely be for the lightweight championship of the world, depending on how Ferguson and Habib plays out in uh, April. I believe it's on April 18th, 2020. But yeah, this is a great fight. And you know, it was honestly supposed to be Max Holloway versus Tony Ferguson at UFC 236 when uh, Dustin Poirier ended up fighting him. I believe they offered the fight to Tony Ferguson and uh, Ferguson didn't take it. I think he wanted to wait for a better fight. So Ferguson versus Holloway at 155 is a fantastic matchup. I mean, we've been talking about Max Holloway moving up to 55 for a while. Um, after the, the loss to Dustin Poirier, I think a lot of people were not wanting him to move up to 155, but I still think it's a great move. And I think he beats a lot of guys in the 155 pound division and a fight against Tony Ferguson. You know, would he be able to outland Tony Ferguson and just use his crisp, crisp striking? Or would Ferguson be able to use his awkward style to just pick Holloway apart at range and in close and then get him to the ground? I think Holloway versus Ferguson at 155 is fireworks from bell to bell. I think we want to see Holloway move up to 55, and I think he will in 2020, um, depending on how if he gets the rematch against Volkanovski in Australia in this um, later on this year then maybe we don't see him move up to 55 until 2021. But I expect to see him move up later on in 2020. Up next uh, at number 17, we've got Tyron Woodley versus Colby Chaos Covington. Come on, guys. I mean, there's not really a lot to say about this fight. It's a fight we were supposed to get in uh, multiple times, and then they ended up giving the title shot to Kamaru Usman. Usman beats Woodley. Covington comes back, beats Robbie Lawler, and then finally gets the fight against Usman to uh, unify the welterweight championship at UFC 245 and loses via a fifth-round TKO after he got his jaw broken in the third round. He still came forward, still fought. And uh, I think uh, Colby Covington versus Tyron Woodley is a great fight. Obviously, Woodley has to get past Leon Rocky Edwards at the UFC fight night in London, which is a big if because, you know, Edwards is not an easy fight for anybody, but I'm expecting to see, you know, the, the rivalry speaks for itself. Like I said, it's a fight we should have seen already at 170 pounds, and I think the fans would be so tuned in for a fight between Colby Covington and Tyron Woodley. And, you know, a lot of people, I think, before they saw the Kamaru Usman 
and Woodley fight, they thought that Woodley was going to run right through him. But then you look at what Usman did to Woodley in the wrestling department, and you kind of think, can would Colby have been able to ragdoll him on uh, with his wrestling and just tire him out? I honestly would lean towards Colby Covington if he was to fight Tyron Woodley. But uh, we'll obviously have to wait and see what happens with Woodley and Leon Edwards. And then hopefully we get Woodley versus Covington in uh, 2020. Like I said, I think it's a great matchup. It's obviously got so much bad blood in it, and uh, I think we get it. Up next, it's a fight at 155 pounds. Conor McGregor versus Justin the Highlight Gaethje. Um, again, we've talked about this fight before. This is a great fight, and uh, I've got Gaethje on this list three times, actually. And I think these are all fights we possibly could see. But I think that um, Conor McGregor versus Justin Gaethje, that probably should have been his comeback fight instead of Cowboy Cerrone. I think that the fight with Gaethje and McGregor made way more sense. But I know that this fight is not as easy of a fight for McGregor as a lot of people think it is. You know, obviously, Cowboy has gone back and forth with some of the greats in the division. And he's only lost to Gaethje and Ferguson. So he was on a bit of a win streak at 155, beat Ally Quinta, beat Alexander Hernandez. Beat Mike Perry at 170, and I believe he had another win at 55 too. But yeah, I, I would love to see McGregor and Gaethje because it would be a very tough matchup for both guys. I would venture to say McGregor would probably be able to land on Gaethje, hurt him, and finish him. But Gaethje has learned to uh, kind of let the fight come to him a little bit more and uh, just um, lay back and sit back a little bit and counter the opponent's shots instead of just coming forward and swinging punches and leaving himself open. He's become more defensively responsible over his last two fights, and I think that's why he got such early finishes over um, Edson Barbosa and uh, Cowboy Cerrone. But I think this McGregor fight would be great. You know, could Gaethje use the leg kicks against Conor McGregor and piece him up and hurt him at a distance? You know, Eddie Alvarez landed a good leg kick on Conor and took out his base and tried to counter off it and it didn't land. But the leg kicks from Gaethje, I think, would maybe be able to hurt Conor and make him stay in one spot, which would leave him open to the striking of Gaethje. Gaethje would obviously have the advantage in the wrestling, but McGregor is such a sniper of a striker that I think that if he lands on Gaethje, he could easily knock him out just because of all the damage he's taken in his career. But yeah, I think Conor McGregor versus Justin Gaethje is an amazing fight, and I really hope we see it in 2020. Up next, a fight in the welterweight division. It would be for the welterweight championship of the world. We have the Nigerian nightmare, Kamaru Usman, the current reigning defending welterweight champion, versus the BMF champion, Jorge Gamebred Masvidal. Now, Masvidal just had an interview on the uh, Ariel Helwani MMA show and talked about how he would much rather fight Conor McGregor than... Kamaru Usman if he was offered and I mean you can't blame the guy I think anybody would take a fight against Conor McGregor because they know it's the money fight they know that they'll be set for life after they fight a guy like Conor McGregor and the buildup's going to be great but I think if Masvidal gets offered the title fight he will fight Kamaru Usman and I honestly think that's what's next at welterweight I think we get Kamaru Usman versus Jorge Masvidal maybe in uh, May or June and I think it's a great fight you know, I think that Usman obviously has the wrestling advantage, but on the feet, I would give Masvidal the advantage in the striking. You know, I think Kamaru's striking isn't terrible, but I've never thought of him as a good striker. I thought he would uh, wing his punches too much. I think that he uh, opens himself up and swings wide punches too much and doesn't really throw down the center and uh, 
throw in a straight line and get right back to his face. He did have a good straight left hand against Colby Covington, but he also got hit a lot. And I think against a guy like Masvidal, with how good his striking is and how technical he is on the feet, I think that that is a very tough matchup for uh, Kamaru Usman. I think that Usman would get pieced up by Jorge Masvidal. I'm going to be honest. And in the wrestling, if he just constantly goes to a wrestling game plan, I could see Usman winning the fight and getting a decision. But on the feet, I, I would lean towards Jorge Masvidal. And just in the general, I think Masvidal has so much confidence right now, and he's coming. He's really had a coming coming into himself of being just this huge star and really confident and ready to take on anybody and finish fights. Like he said before, you know, he, he used to worry about winning decisions and that's what the fights would get away from him. Now he's just worried about taking people out. And I think you've seen that in his last three fights, obviously with the knockout of Darren Till, the knockout of Ben Askren in five seconds with the flying knee, and then the uh, TKO doctor stoppage over Nate Diaz at UFC 244. I think Masvidal versus Usman is a huge fight. And yeah, I would lean towards Masvidal in that fight. Um, uh, another My number 20 fight, um, I had to put this guy on the list. I kind of forgot about him for a second, even though he's my favorite guy currently at 145 pounds. We've got the reigning or the current champion, Alexander the Great Volkanovsky versus, I put two guys here. I put Chan Sung Jung slash Brian T. City Ortega. I think we're likely to see either one of these fights in 2020. Um, I, I would venture to say, like I said, that Max Holloway would get the next crack at Volkanovski unless he decides to move up to 55. So I would say we probably get Volkanovski versus Holloway in maybe June or July, and then maybe we get another fight with him in November or December, which I think would be against either the Korean Zombie, Chan Sung Jung, or Brian T. City Ortega. If I have to pick between the two, I would say Chan Sung Jung is more likely to get the fight. So I think we'd get Volkanovski versus Chan Sung Jung for the featherweight championship of the world. And then uh, Brian T. City Ortega could fight Yair Rodriguez. He could fight, uh, you know, anybody in that 145-pound um, division. But I think Volkanovski versus the Korean Zombie is a huge fight. You know, the Korean Zombie loves to push forward and get in your face. And uh, Alexander Volkanovski doesn't get tired at all. So it would just be a barn burner. They would both come forward. They would both swing for the fences. I think Volkanovski is more technical, and I think he would put together a fantastic game plan against a guy like Korean Zombie, just trying to uh, trying to take advantage of the openings, land, and get out of the way. But uh, I think Chan Sung Jung is so dangerous right now, and uh, it would be a great fight for the featherweight division. I put one fight on here extra. I just marked it as extra because I forgot to put this guy on here. And that is a fight between the hundred in the 145-pound division between the Hurricane Shane Burgos and uh, Yair Rodriguez. I think Burgos versus Rodriguez in the featherweight division is a perfect fight to make right now. Obviously, Yair is coming off that victory. <coughs> Excuse me, guys. He's coming off that win over... Uh, Jeremy Little Heathen Stevens, and then prior to that, he had the win over the Korean Zombie where he landed that back elbow, that upward back elbow, and knocked him out at the end of the fifth round with about two seconds left or right at the buzzer. I think Jair Rodriguez and Shane Burgos is a great fight. I was going to put Burgos versus Kelvin Cater, but we already saw that fight take place at UFC 220, so I don't think they'd want to put, put that rematch right now. Maybe down the line we get it. But uh, Burgos is coming off that great win against Makwan Amir Khani at UFC 244, where he just took the fight over and ended up getting the finish, I believe, at the 
in the beginning of the third round or the end of the second round, he got uh, a TKO and looked fantastic. And then he has wins over guys like Cub Swanson. Um, he just looks like a million bucks right now. And Shane Burgos could be your future champion. I would venture to say if he were to win the belt, it wouldn't be until 2021. But I think a fight with Shane Burgos and any of the top contenders is great. But I put it up against Yair Rodriguez because I think this would just be a fight that the fans would love. You know, it would be two great strikers. Yair, obviously, is more of a kickboxer. Burgos is more of a boxer, a traditional boxer, but he likes to move, slip, and rip, and uh, rip really good shots to the body. He's very technical, very crisp, and very clean. Um, and Yair Rodriguez just has that spinning, crazy technique where he'll land shots to the body, kicks to the head, spinning back kicks, jumping switch roundhouse kicks. And yeah, I think Burgos versus Rodriguez in the featherweight division would be a great fight to make this year, and uh, I hope we get it. That's it for my list for the top 20 fights of 2020 that I want to see the UFC make. If there's fights on here that I didn't put, definitely let me know. You know, I would like all you guys to uh, give me your input and uh, show us how we can make this fight, this podcast better. Um, but let's move on to some WWE thoughts. Um, I covered it on the first part a little bit, but since I am doing this episode right after um, Monday Night Raw, I have to cover one thing, and it's about the Royal Rumble. So Brock Lesnar came out on Monday Night Raw and announced that he will be entering the Royal Rumble due to the fact that he doesn't see any formidable challengers for his WWE World Heavyweight Championship to face him at the Royal Rumble. And uh, he's going to and not only enter the Royal Rumble match, but he will enter at number one. You know what? When I first read it, I, I thought it was dumb. But the more you think about it, he's kind of right. There really isn't anybody currently that could challenge Lesnar for the title at the Royal Rumble that would make it a credible threat unless you put a guy like McIntyre in it. But they would have had to build this up. For Brock Lesnar, you have to build up the matches. The matches have to feel important. They have to feel like, feel like there's something behind it. And given the fact that the Royal Rumble's in about three weeks, there's not enough time to build up a formidable challenger for Brock Lesnar. So what they're doing in this Royal Rumble match is they're going to have him enter and they're most likely going to set up his Royal Rumble feud or his WrestleMania opponent in the Royal Rumble. And that's great. You know, like I said, at first, I didn't really like it, but I think it's a great idea. And it gives that um, layer of unpredictability that uh, that really we has been taken away from WWE um, over the past decade or so. The unpredictability is what we like. We like to not know what's next. If we know what's going to happen in three weeks, there's no point in watching up into the three weeks because we know what's going to happen. With Lesnar entering the Rumble, is he going to win the Rumble and go on to challenge the Fiend? Hopefully not. Is he going to get eliminated by a guy like Cain Velasquez or Tyson Fury? Hopefully not. What I believe is going to happen, and I read an article um, by Dave Meltzer, somebody posted, that his challenger would most likely come from SmackDown or NXT. And uh, I love this. I love this. As long as it's not Tyson Fury or Cain Velasquez, then we're okay. We're okay. Because there's so many possibilities you could do with this Royal Rumble. Considering the fact that I read an article a little while ago that the Royal Rumble was going to be consistent, um, consisting of 10 superstars from Raw, 10 from SmackDown, and 10 from NXT. And uh, I think this is great. I think that Lesnar in the match brings that the match up to a level that it wasn't currently at before. It's bringing a huge star. When's the last time? I mean, Lesnar was in the Royal Rumble in uh, 2017, I believe. Maybe 2018, but I, I think it was 2017 he entered the Rumble. But 
They're right. There is nobody to challenge Brock Lesnar. I would love to see him face Ricochet at the Royal Rumble, but I don't think it's going to happen. But then you got to think, since he is the world heavyweight, the WWE world heavyweight champion, is he going to put his title on the line like they did in 2016 where they had Roman Reigns defend the title? He entered at number one, defended the title through the Rumble, eventually got eliminated by Triple H. Is this what's going to happen with Brock Lesnar? Is he going to put the title on the line and uh, defend it through the entire Royal Rumble just to show how good he really is and show that he is the beast, which we already know. But, you know, is that what's going to happen? I don't know. Um, I would think that if they were going to put the World Heavy, the WWE title on the line in the Royal Rumble, they would have said that on Monday Night Raw. But maybe next week, you know, Triple H and Stephanie or Paul Heyman will uh, come to come to the idea that the title does have to be on the line since he is the reigning, defending, um, conquering WWE World Heavyweight Champion. Um, I don't think he should put the title on the line. I think you use this Royal Rumble to set up his future opponent for WrestleMania. And uh, there's a couple guys that come to my mind. Um, obviously, CM Punk, if CM Punk decides to come back and does enter the Royal Rumble and eliminates Brock Lesnar, that's a great idea. Um, I think the best idea for Brock at the at WrestleMania is probably going to be uh, Matt Riddle, the original bro. I think you could have him enter the Royal Rumble and uh, enter the Royal Rumble. And then hold on, guys. We'll be back in a second. 